welcome to a Roxanne episode of the Play It As It Lies podcast, gearing up, Frank, for its mm-hmm. second week of the NFL playoffs. With me, as always, as I just mentioned, my beautiful co-host, Frank Flacco. How are you doing today? Rotom, I'm doing splendid. I appreciate that introduction, as always. I I can't wait to talk about these games. Super Wild Card Weekend was super indeed. Lived up to the expectations. Uh, exceeded expectations, you could say. And I do believe that this divisional round could shape up to be one of the more interesting and exciting weekends of playoff football that we have seen in quite some time. And I think that's not an exaggeration. Absolutely not an exaggeration. And storyline upon storyline upon storyline upon storyline for this weekend, Frank. But before we dive into that weekend of last week's six games, the first time ever six games on a wildcard weekend, which... Was your favorite? Obviously, we both have the Ravens to enjoy our great grand victory. Finally, we did it. We beat the Titans. But of the other five games, which one do you think was your favorite? Well, there's certainly uh, a lot to choose from. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate my bias out of this question. Uh, obviously, the Ravens won. It was a great weekend. And Sunday night was the cherry, not the cherry, was the icing on the cake because the Steelers uh, lost. And they lost in a big way. And I was happy to see that because, you know, uh, for much of this season, I had been down on the Steelers. Even when they were 11-0, I was still skeptical. Uh, I went as far as to say that they were fraudulent at some points. And I think that was a little bit of vindication for me and other people who might have felt that way as well. Um, But outside of the AFC North implications here, I think the best game was the first game on Saturday, which was the Colts-Bills. It was the most closely matched out of all the games. And I was surprised that the Colts actually could have won that game. I mean, they they put themselves in a position to win and upset the Bills. And they were kind of a missed fourth down conversion in the red zone and a missed field goal away from scoring more points than Buffalo. So that was a bit surprising. uh, But that was obviously an interesting game, as were all of them. Yeah, that's a great choice. Obviously, I love the result. Of this. Much like your malignment for the Steelers, the Colts leaving the playoffs was probably the happiest point of my weekend, aside from the Ravens winning, of course. Uh, and that's a phenomenal game. You know, I, I can like to mess with Phillip Rivers. I like to uh, trash on Phillip Rivers quite a lot. But at the end of the day, Rodrigo Blankenship, the heart darling of every fantasy player this year, somehow missed that field goal. And that, that's the difference between them playing this weekend and them sitting at home. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad with the Colts. Obviously, sad about my Bears. A sad way to go, but mm. New Orleans is now, uh, you know, piercing their way onto the next round of the playoffs, as are quite a few other teams. But frankly, the most important team making their way into the next round of the playoffs is the one team we haven't mentioned yet, the Seahawks and the Rams. You called it, Frank. Russ was going to cook, but uh, the dish did not come out that great as the Los mm. Angeles Rams ended up defeating them. And now they move on for our first game of Divisional Weekend, where the Packers take on the Rams. Obviously, we just mentioned the Rams beat the Seahawks 30-20, to thanks in large part to a nice pick-six by Darius Williams. Uh, and Green Bay, who had their bye week, is finally going to jump in to this divisional matchup. The Rams have a money line of plus 255, and Green Bay spread just under a touchdown at minus 6.5. This is the first matchup of the number one defense facing the number one offense in the NFL, not in a Super Bowl, since 1980, Frank. Who do you have winning it? And there's nothing to not like about this game. And the Rams, to their credit, they slayed the dragon that was Russell Wilson in the Seahawks. 
And now they're going to have to do so again against another top-end quarterback in the NFL, the presumptive MVP frontrunner, Aaron Rodgers. If you told me that the Rams were pulling off an upset in this game as a plus 6.5-point underdog, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. Stranger things have happened. Uh, defense wins championships, and it also wins playoff games, and the Rams have the best of the best, as we saw last week. But I'm not sure how much you can, how much stock you can really take in their matchup with Seattle. Obviously, they won that game by 10 points. They were an underdog on the road. But we've talked about how they've had Seattle's number in the past, and all of the things that Seattle has struggled with against the Rams over the past two to three years, uh, they reared their head once again in that matchup. And I don't think the Rams' prospects of pulling off another upset are quite as fruitful this time around. They're a warm-weather team. Uh, Obviously, they play in Los Angeles, and now they're going to have to go up north in the cold element of Lambeau Field where Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are elite. And you can say there's no home field advantage with no fans in the stadium, but the Packers have been nothing short of fantastic at home this year. And I think if any team does have a home field advantage, even in this one-off season, it's got to be Green Bay. And plus six and a half is kind of a high point total. I'm tempted to take the Rams on the spread, but I'm going to say the Packers win this game by a touchdown with a score of 24 to 17. And I think in the end, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to be the difference. They're well-rested. I think the Packers are motivated. I think they've been, all in all, one of the top three or two best teams in the NFL this season, start to finish. And I think that holds true here in this playoff matchup. It's going to be 29 to 30 degrees in Lambeau, right around 435 with 8 to 9 miles per hour wind. Uh, So definitely not a good situation for Jared Goff and his broken finger. Uh, Most importantly, his broken thumb. And the fact that when he plays in the cold, he does like to throw interceptions. But the story about this game is in no way, in no part, about Jared Goff, nor is it about John Walford. It's all about the guys on the other side of their field, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Uh, This is by far one of the best defenses in the league that we've seen in such a long time. And while Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey have never gone at it, the only time that they've played against each other, Ramsey never matched up against him once because it just happened to be Ramsey's pro debut. Uh, I'm excited to see the matchup of one of the best corners in the league facing one of the best wide receivers in the league. A matchup that at the end of the day, I think Ramsey is going to win as he's shown defeating pretty much every great wide receiver he's played this year. He's been one of the best ones, best cornerbacks in the league this year. and. I think that's going to be huge because as soon as you can take away Devontae Adams, and which is a hard thing to do, Rodgers is going to start throwing bad things. And that's exactly what happened in their game against Tampa Bay. Um, Devontae Adams was not playing. He started throwing a few too many balls Robert Tanyan's way and bam, a safety pick, and you've got Rodgers in the dirt. I don't know if the same way is going to happen. Obviously, Devontae's talent is easily to see. Uh, but I think Ramsey is the huge X factor in this game. If he can step up and truly be this true number one shutdown corner that he thinks he is, that he keeps telling people that he is, this game is going to go the Rams' way. I don't care how good Aaron Rodgers is. Without Devontae Adams, this is not the number one offense in the league. And that that's simple. They can't run the ball as well as they should be able to, especially against a stout run defense that has multiple pass rushers. And unless for some reason Sean McVay is going to sit in a zone all game, Aaron Rodgers should not have a lot of time to throw every single play specifically without David Bakhtiari guarding his left tackle. And I'm sure Aaron Donald is licking his chops despite his injury 
Sean McVay has said he is a Terminator and will continue to play. I'm sure he's licking his chops to be playing right end this weekend uh, and going up against whoever comes in for Bakhtiari's backup. Uh, I think this defense is it's too talented. I don't know if there's an offense in the league that I truly believe has an over upper hand on them. Rodgers would be the guy that maybe it's him, maybe it's Mahomes, but I don't know. I think in the matchup of defense and offense, it's defense that wins championships and in the playoffs, you've got to give favor to the defense. Yeah, I think the Rams' recipe for pulling off an upset in this game is contingent on a few things happening. You mentioned the most important one right off the bat is the two studs for Los Angeles' defense. They have to show up, and they have to show up in a big way. If Jalen Ramsey can completely neutralize Devontae Adams out of this game, like you said, the Packers are not the same team. And if Aaron Donald similarly can have a game-wrecking effect on the Packers' offensive line and pressure Aaron Rodgers, then that could spell trouble. But if you if the Rams allow Aaron Rodgers to sit in the pocket, sit in a clean pocket and get the ball out quickly, uh, he's going to pick them apart, I think. But if the two studs for Los Angeles show up and show up in a big way, then that obviously helps the Rams' prospects. And I think the other important thing for Los Angeles in this game is they have to run the ball, and they have to run it effectively. And that obviously falls on the shoulders of Cam Akers, the rookie running back who's come on very strong as of late towards the end of the season, and he had over 100 yards last week in Seattle. Statistically, the Packers' defense has been good all season, not great. Uh, but their weakest point on the defensive side of the ball is their run defense. I mean, they gave up 113 rushing yards per game. That ranked 13th in the NFL. But I think a lot of that might have had to do with playing some not elite rushing attacks towards the end of the season. I mean, we saw when players like Dalvin Cook matched up with them, uh, they went crazy. And I think the Packers are vulnerable in the rush defense department. And that would be my concern uh, for picking them in this game. But ultimately, I think the greatest equalizer in the NFL right now is Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not going to keep harboring on it time and time again, but I just can't see Jared Goff, an injured Jared Goff, and a weak Rams offense going into Lambeau in this spot in January and scoring enough points to defeat the Packers, even with that tremendous defense. So I'm going to stick here with Green Bay, and the over-under is 46 and a half. And based on my score prediction, 24 to 17, I'm seeing an under. Because like you said, the Rams defense is great. And I think the only way they can win is making this game ugly. And we'll have to see how ugly it gets up in Lambeau. Well, hopefully it gets just a little bit ugly. And you bring up my second point that I was excited to get to about this rushing defense. And you're absolutely right that they haven't faced the most talented of rushers. And Derrick Henry and David Montgomery finishing out the season kind of proved that true, both reaching just over the season averages in both of their games. But the game that I'm most worried about, Frank, is the game they continue to fall apart in. And the, the last time we saw them in the playoffs, just a year ago, versus an NFC West team that had a phenomenal run-stopping defense and a great running back that had just torched a team the year before, they gave up 285 rushing yards, allowing 186 of them, even before contact. Versus the 49ers last year in the conference championship. And I, I can't imagine a coach as smart as Sean McVay isn't looking at that and saying, we're just going to run the ball. We don't need Jared Goff. We're just going to run the option and run the screen and run dive, run power, run counter. And then every once in a while, you'll throw up that play action. You'll hit him for the touchdown and do exactly what Sean McVay does, which is game plan like no one else. You can talk about the Aaron Rodgers advantage. You can talk about the Aaron Donald advantage, but you can't not talk about the fact that Sean McVay is the most talented play caller in the league. 
And I have my questions about Matt LaFleur. Obviously, I'm a Mike McCarthy kind of guy. But I don't. the coaching advantage is such one that I think disparagingly, in the end, he knows how to keep it ugly. His defense knows how to keep it ugly. His Cam Akers knows how to run for acres and acres. And uh, I think this rush defense is going to be unable to stop them. I like the under, uh, as you do. My score prediction also has a 24 in it, but 24 is going to L.A. 21 is going to go to the Packers. And I say this game gets won by a field goal for the Rams to go to the conference championship. Also, an extra note for you, uh, since the Green Bay Packers have won their Super Bowl in 2010, uh, they've been to the playoffs seven times. In seven of those playoffs, they've been eliminated by an NFC West team, going one in five versus that division in the playoffs, beating the Seahawks just last year. Yeah, that's a concerning stat, I think, if you're Green Bay. And, you know, based on everything that we've said, it goes without saying that the Packers in this matchup, it's not a great matchup for them as a one seed going against a six seed in Los Angeles. And with a plus 255 money line, I think the Rams are definitely worth a flyer. I mean, we just laid out uh, all the factors that potentially might be working in their favor for an upset. And for that reason, this is definitely a, a must-watch game, as all as are all of the games this week, but this one especially in the early Saturday slot. So I'm clearing my schedule to watch this game. I know you're doing the same, and uh, I recommend anyone who's listening do that as well absolutely frank and i know you'll have your schedule cleared for the rest of the day because we have another big game coming on on saturday night a battle to the afc's top offenses outside of the state of missouri it's going to be the ravens going up to orchard park in buffalo to play the buffalo bills ravens coming off their 20 to 13 defensive slog versus the tennessee titans where they kept derrick henry under 50 yards for the first time this season an insane feat by this Ravens defense, but they'll have another monster to face. But this time it's coming in the air in the face of Josh Allen, who just defeated the Indianapolis Colts 27-24. In Orchard Park, Buffalo is favored by minus two and a half, while Baltimore has a money line of plus 125. Frank, is this a team of destiny? Are the Ravens going to the conference championship? Or are the Bills, with their stud quarterback, making it all the way to see Patty Mahomes? Or maybe the Browns, but really they're going to go face Patty Mahomes in the conference championship. Yeah, well, I think whoever comes out of this game uh, could be labeled arguably the team of destiny. And this game is extremely hard to predict, frankly. I think this is easily the most compelling game of the week. Um, Out of all the games we're going to talk about, this has to be the one that your eyes are going to be glued to the television. And I think there's a strong case for both of these teams to win this game. Obviously, momentum is working in the favor of both the Ravens and the Bills. The Bills won nine straight to end the season. They won. They beat the Colts last week in the wild card matchup. The Ravens won five straight to end the season. They obviously beat the Titans. And now you have a head-to-head matchup between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And those are obviously the two headliners in this game. But I don't necessarily think that they're going to be the deciding factors in who wins this game. I think we're going to see a very interesting chess match between two of the league's top coaching staffs. I mean, you have one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL this year in Buffalo with Brian Dable, who has pushed all the right buttons for Josh Allen and this Bills offense to reach a new level. And on the other side of the ball, you have Wink Martindale, maybe the best defensive coordinator in the NFL on the Ravens sideline. And I'm very interested, very interested to see how this is going to play out. And before we get too much into it, Rotom, I'm curious, who do you think has the coaching advantage between these two teams? Well, like wine coaching is all about age and uh, John Harbaugh with his years and years and ring on his finger is going to have the coaching advantage there. 
Um, McDermott is a phenomenal coach, both in the defense and the offensive side. But you can't you can't pass up the fact that not only has Harbaugh been to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl, but he's also been in these playoff scenarios much much more. Uh, his rec- he's currently the fourth highest coach in overall winning percentage uh, currently in the NFL and. The guys like Greg Roman and Don Mark Mendendale are are great, and they're they're obviously well matched with Brian DeBole on the other side. But it's just the quality of the top guy, the head coach, is just up withstanding and beating the Bills uh, gives the Ravens a huge factor in that side. Yeah, I agree, and I think that you know the experience factor here works in the Ravens' favor for sure. Uh, but with that being said, I think the case for the Bills winning this game is the same case that's won them won them all their games pretty much all season long. If this turns into an offensive track meet, the Bills are more well-equipped to win those type of games outside of maybe Kansas City than anyone else in the NFL. And between Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, the Bills can hang 30 points on pretty much anyone if it comes down to that. Uh, They came up just short of that number against the Colts last week, but I still think there's no reason not to be optimistic in this Buffalo offense. And they could potentially have some matchup advantages against this Ravens defense, as good as they are. And if they do, it's going to be in the middle of the field because they're going to be able to attack the Ravens linebackers, Patrick Queen, LJ Fort, Chris Board, with slot receivers like Cole Beasley over the middle of the field. And I think that's going to be the X factor. That's going to be the chess match that we're going to have to see. But ultimately, I think that this game could come down to who wins in the trenches. And if that's the case, I would lean towards the Ravens, and I think you have to, because we saw the Ravens, they don't stop the run all that well. They were ranked 16th in the NFL in rush defense this year. We saw Jonathan Taylor have some success against them last week, and this Ravens team, who is consistently rushing for over 200 yards on the ground, led by the trio of Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins, I don't see them not having success against this Buffalo front. And because of that, I think they're going to be able to control the clock, control time of possession and take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and limit what he inj- and limit the damage that he and Stefan Diggs can do in the air. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Ravens defense is malleable. I think their elite secondary is well equipped, perhaps more than any other team to contain this Buffalo offense, and I'm going to take the Ravens as a plus 125 underdog to win this game in a high-scoring affair by a score of 30 to 27. I liked what you finished off there with Frank, uh, that the biggest factor for the Ravens is going to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. And while you might consider it as keeping the ball in the Ravens hands, I think it's literally about taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. And I think the big number for me in this game is going to be what is the turnover differential? Both of these teams finished up plus four for the season. Uh, the Ravens had 10 interceptions and t- league leading 12 fumbles. Uh, whereas the Bills had 15 interceptions and 11 fumble recovered. I think that's going to be the biggest factor because at the end of the day, if the Bills are able to take the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hand through an interception or a fumble, I think not only is that a huge morale difference and a huge momentum swing uh, at any point in the game, I think it's going to be a big factor of who has possession because it might be a narrative that got dinked a little bit last week about the Ravens being unable to come back from a loss, but This is the most potent offense in the NFL at the moment. The Chiefs, sure, but right now, it's the Bills. It's the Josh Allen show at the moment, and I don't know if the Ravens fall down behind two touchdowns, even a touchdown to a field goal. I don't know if the Ravens are going to be capable of that comeback. 
Uh, and that scares me. Uh, unless the Ravens can truly get multiple interceptions or cause multiple fumbles on that Buffalo side, I, I don't I don't really envision it the same way as you do because you're right exactly about that one matchup you were mentioning at the, about the middle linebackers because one of the biggest ways to stop Josh Allen throughout his entire career up until this season was just play man, just play all-out man, and the Ravens could have brought in Jimmy Smith and we could have played our great nickel defense and the game would have been over. I could have easily called this one for the Ravens. But Josh Allen over his career for the last three years was 27th in EPA when he's facing man coverage. This year, thanks to Diggs, he's number one. He's the best quarterback versus man coverage this year. And if the Ravens are going to have to stick to zone, Patrick Queen is going to get left into the island right in the middle having to face Cole Beasley and slants from from Stefan Diggs on, the, on a play-by-play basis. And that is how Ravens lose the game. I don't care how talented Marlon Humphrey or Marcus Peters are on the outside. They're not going to throw to the outside. There's no reason to throw to the outside. You hit him in the middle. You hit him where it hurts. And Mashawn McDermott will take this team the next weekend as the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Ravens 34-32, to eking out the victory and facing the Chiefs next weekend. Yeah, well, it seems like uh, either way, we're both envisioning a high-scoring affair. Uh, I noticed that you're taking the Bills, but you're hedging there with the Ravens at plus 2.5, which I think is a smart play if, if you're really undecided about this matchup. And, I mean, we've, we've basically outlined all of the biggest things to watch, uh, but at the end of the day, I think the Bills, they weren't exposed necessarily by the Colts last week, but there were some things that were concerning. And the Ravens, to me, are just a more explosive, uh, more talented, more polished version of Indianapolis, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And for that reason, I think they'll be able to eke out and finish upon what the Colts could not last week. Well, unlike Philip Rivers, that is a good call. I really think that either team could win this game. And this Saturday, it's going to be the best day of football in a long time. I think better than any Sunday we've seen all season. These two games, wow, what a schedule. What a schedule indeed. And I think that's a good segue into the fact that you think the games on Sunday uh, aren't going to be able to measure up, if I'm hearing that correctly. You are, and I was preluding to it with our other AFC game, but our first matchup of Sunday at 3 o'clock at Arrowhead Stadium for the first time this season, the reigning Super Bowl champions will be playing playoff football, coming off their number one seed by, and they'll be facing the surprise team that actually made it to the next weekend, the Cleveland Browns, who just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37. to Any given Sunday, Frank, any given Sunday. But let's see if that mentality goes to the next game as they face probably the hardest matchup that they could have gotten in any possible way. KC, minus 10. Cleveland, plus 365. How do you see this one to go? Well, I think before we make our predictions, you you have to give a shout-out to the Browns and what they've been able to do this year. Um, They're in their first playoff game since 2002. We both kind of counted them out of that Pittsburgh game. I think nobody really, I think most people didn't envision them winning, but they won. And they'd scored 48 points in a playoff game against a division rival. And this has been one of the Browns' most successful seasons in quite some time, at least in our lifetime. And all the credit in the world has to go to Cleveland and Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield and what they've been able to do in defying pretty much everyone's expectations. But with that being said, this matchup here on Sunday against the Chiefs kind of feels like an end of the road. That's the vibes I'm getting from this game. And there's no shame in losing to the defending Super Bowl champions, but I've held 
the belief all year that the Chiefs are still the favorite to win the Super Bowl, or at least they should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And we've seen them. We saw them go 14-2, and and despite a midseason winning streak in which they won game after game after game, there were still questions that were being raised because they weren't covering their spreads in these games, and they were only winning by field goals and touchdowns. And a lot of people saw that as credence to believe that this Chiefs team is vulnerable compared to last year and that they weren't firing all cylinders and that heading into the postseason, there were some things to be concerned about. But I don't necessarily see it that way. I think that they were kind of sleepwalking through some of their games, knowing that they were really just preparing for the postseason and another Super Bowl run. And if you're sleepwalking through games and still winning all of them, what does that say? That says that you're a great team. And we know that the Chiefs can flip the switch and turn it on. And I think that happens this week. I, I think this is a bad matchup for the Browns. The, their secondary has been beatable all season long. They've been one of the worst defenses on third down. And that's not a recipe for success against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, especially coming off pretty much two weeks of rest now, given they rested their starters in week 17. And the minus 10 points is a lot here. Rotom, do you think that's too many points to Kansas City in this spot? Or are you kind of in the same boat as me that the Chiefs are in store for a pretty big victory? Well, Frank, I'll answer that with a little quote from last week's game between the Steelers and the Browns, uh, courtesy of Al Michaels. Uh, if you put Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs into that second half for the Pittsburgh Steelers where they were down 0-28, to the Chiefs win that game. The crazy fact about that is Al Michaels, despite all the stupid stuff he says every Sunday, it's probably the smartest thing he said in this whole season. The Chiefs are capable of beating any team. And like you said, it, it's something we talk about in basketball a lot, where teams just can't turn on that flip. The Chiefs, unlike any team ever, can turn on that switch wh whoever, whenever they want. And I envision it exactly as you do, uh, because this conversation kind of has to go the same way as the Rams-Packers and beating the number one seed. You've got to stop the quarterback. Your best players have to have good games. And exactly like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald have to have good games. People on the Browns have to have a good game, but who's Jalen Ramsey on the Browns? Who's stopping Travis Kelsey on the Browns? Are Browns fans really saying on Andrew Sendaho? Is Carl Joseph stopping Travis Kelsey? Not to mention Tyreek Hill, and obviously they're getting back Denzel Ward, which is going to be huge for that, but Patty Mahomes can still beat anyone he wants, and I, I just don't see a way in which the Browns can keep up with the superstars that are on that side. So then you've got to flip it to the offensive side. Okay, the Browns now have Joel Batonio back. They have their offensive line coach back. They obviously have their head coach back, which is going to be huge. But they just laid it all on the line. Everything they had for the past two weeks to beat the Steelers in back-to-back -back weeks. I don't believe that there is an ounce left in this play caller's playbook that is going to give them any advantage. All Andy Reid has to do this week is figure out how he's going to stop Miles Garrett, and he's going to drop 40 points on them. He doesn't have to figure out what's going to have to happen on that defensive side because as lackluster as the Chiefs defense has been this year. They've still been very good at mediocre quarterbacks, and if Baker Mayfield doesn't keep up the quality he's been keeping up over the past seven weeks, it's going to be such an easy game to watch unfold and fall apart for the Browns because it really only takes two. It takes two for Patrick Mahomes. They get the ball, they score, you don't. They score again, you don't. That's game over. You don't win anymore. That 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 is the game for the Browns, and I think that that's how it's going to start for them. Uh, as they already, they're out of gas, they're out of oil, their car needs a refuel, they got to take it to the pit stop. Maybe we'll see him next season. Kevin Stefanski, you deserve coach of the year. Congratulations, even though you weren't there for the win. 
cements your ability to now coach and play the playoffs. But I don't know. I just don't see it for these Browns being anywhere close to being good enough to keep up with 10 points on the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't see it either. And I think if you were going to make a case for the Browns to to shock the world again and pull off a miraculous update here, it would have to be the fact that they run the ball well and they have statistically uh, the highest graded offensive line in the NFL. And, And those are two things that often lead to success in January. And if somehow, some way, the Browns manage to go into halftime leading or maybe jump out to a two or three possession lead, then you would feel confident in their ability to hold that lead because of their ability to control the clock and control time of possessions with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But like you said, the Chiefs, it's the great equalizer. I said how Aaron Rodgers is the best equalizer in the NFL. If he's not, then it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's this Chiefs offense. And other than those two things I mentioned, Rodham, is there any other thing that might work in the Browns' favor, or is that pretty much all she wrote? I think that's all he wrote. Uh, the running attack is obviously phenomenal. I mean, you can't stop talking about how talented this offensive line is between Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, uh, and Jack Coughlin. But even with all that, there's nothing left. It's done. The Browns' season, right in stone, finished in the divisional round. Well, the over-under is 52.5 here, which is a good segue into our score predictions. I'm going to say the Chiefs score 34 points. I'm going to give the Browns three touchdowns. I think they'll score a touchdown or two uh, in garbage time, maybe, when the game's already out of reach. Uh, So I think the point total hits the over, but the Chiefs cover minus 10. Uh, I'm going to be much, 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 much less supportive of the Browns than you. I'm going to go Chiefs 35, Browns 10. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just think they're all done. I think that no matter what he has in his hat, Kevin Stefanski is out of objects to pull out. Um, and I believe in Andy Reid. So 35 to 10, that's obviously KC minus 10, and the Chiefs, of course, win it. Yeah, it is. And another interesting note about your score prediction there is there's a prop for this week of what the biggest point differential will be in any of these four games. And the over-under for that number is set at 19.5. So based on this prediction, uh, you would be inclined to take the over on that and not to spoil our predictions for for this next game we're going to talk about. But I don't see any any blowouts to that proportion happening this week. But if it were going to happen, I do agree it would be in this game. I'm glad you would agree, but not to give away the preview of next game, but maybe we should just move on to next game. Uh, maybe the best game. Uh, I do, You know, a great slate on Saturday. Obviously, the game before this is not great, but a matchup of two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is always going to be at the top of the slate, and therefore it gets our Sunday night availability. And so, this weekend at 6.40 in the Superdome, Tom Brady, Mr. Terrific, number two in all-time passing touchdowns, number one in all-time passing yards, number one in all-time passing completion, number one in all-time passing rating, number one with most rings on his finger, number one in Super Bowls, number one in Super in Divisions, number one in pretty much everything you can think of, unless... Drew Brees has it, and that's the guy he'll be facing this weekend. Uh, as Tampa Bay coming off their 31 to 23 victory over Washington, whereas Drew Brees is coming off their 21 to 1 to 9 victory over Chicago. Rest in peace, Bears. Saints are favored minus three at home. Tampa Bay plus 155 on the money line. Greatest quarterbacks of all time. Number one and number two on every single record in every quarterback statistic, except for the ones where Brett Favre or Peyton Manning are there. Frank. This is this is maybe the last ride. 
Yeah, it just might be. But, you know, Rotom, I got to ask, out of curiosity, before we talk about this game, uh, is this being broadcasted on Fox or the History Channel? I'm curious. Uh, maybe the Sci-Fi Channel, if uh, you look at Michael Thomas a little bit too long. But definitely the History Channel if you were there. At least not Nickelodeon this week. Yeah, well, I wish it was being broadcasted on Nickelodeon because Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, not spring chickens, to say the least. But you mentioned all the storylines uh, with Brees and Brady being the headliners. There's so much to like about this game. And to me, this is really the biggest toss-up of the week. I, I have no idea who is going to win this game. And looking at these teams' matchups this season, going off of the matchups between these two teams this season, you would say the Saints should win and win decisively. Because in Week 1, they beat the Buccaneers by 11 points. And then in Week 9, they destroyed this Buccaneers team on the road, 38-3. to And it's hard to forget that when thinking about who's going to come out on top in this playoff matchup. To me, the, the biggest deciding factor or the biggest thing that would make me lean towards the Bucks is it's hard to see Tom Brady losing to the same team three times in one year, especially in, especially in a playoff spot where we know Tom Brady has shined year in and year out. Time and time again, he's come up huge in playoff moments. And overall, I think the Saints might just have this Bucks team's number. I know that maybe it's third time's a charm, but it's hard for me to overlook how dominant New Orleans was against Tampa Bay in the regular season. And I still think most of the matchups on the field work in their favor. And I don't know, Rotom, it, am I overthinking this or does the regular season matter when looking at these two teams? The regular season absolutely matters when you talk about it. And when you look at the last 11 matchups, when? And when you look at since 2010, uh, there have been 11 matchups of teams that are played in the division to play in the playoffs, uh, obviously including the Rams, Seahawks, and the Browns, Steelers just last weekend. But in 10 of those 11s, the team that swept the season series actually lost. And uh, so unlike maybe the opportunity for the for the New Orleans to sweep uh, might turn into more of a rubber match uh, for, the Bra for the Buccaneers to take the most important game of the series. Uh, but if you look at a little bit wider lens, uh, since the 1970 merger, 21 of the 50 games that have been an attempt at a three-game sweep have been for have been sweeps. So in history, it does seem like the rubber match uh, does go the way of the team that lost the first two. Yeah, I did not know that. And I think that's all the reason more to, to favor Tampa Bay in this spot. But I'm going to very hesitantly, very, very hesitantly pick the Saints to come out on top. And we talked about last week. Uh, the Saints' recent postseason woes have been notable, and they finally got off. They finally got over the hump by beating the Bears last week. But I don't necessarily think that that was the end of their journey. I think that they still have some left in the tank. I don't think Drew Brees uh, has given all he has left before he goes into the broadcasting booth. And what we saw from the Saints last week wasn't necessarily in convincing. Uh, they beat the Bears, sure, but. I'm still a little bit concerned about their offense's ability to consistently move the ball and put up points given the lack of explosion that they have in the passing game, in the vertical passing game, which is almost non-existent for the Saints team now. And you can say the exact opposite about Tampa Bay. And if the big play factor goes decisively in the Bucks' favor, then I can see them pulling off this win and pulling off an upset, if you want to call it that. And like I said, this is a toss-up for me. 
I'll take the Saints on the money line, but I'll hedge with Tampa Bay plus three on the spread, much like much like you did with the Ravens and Bills. Yeah, and that's a smart pick. And you're talking about such talented teams where really anyone could win. Hedging your bet is good. Unless you have an inclination that the greatest quarterback of all time is gonna do his magic. And here in the divisional round where Tom Brady's 13 and 2 uh with 30 career touchdowns and 11 interceptions in all of those games. Uh, you've just got to imagine that Tom Terrific is going to get the job done. And I know that the whole stigma of what happened in the regular season is going to be on them. But there's a great coach on both of these sidelines. And with Bruce Arians having the history of this situation being upon him, I, I just don't believe that he's going to come in with the same game plan that he did in week one or week nine. There is going to be a difference made. He's going to look at, I'm sure, film is being watched as we speak right now to make sure that they come with a new plan. Mike Evans, who is not 100% at the moment and is not looking like he will be, at the time of the game um, is going to be a big factor. Like you mentioned with the vertical passing game, because the saints look at all those pass interference calls. They're number one in the league with pass interference calls for over the last three years. Uh, do have quite a large amount of trouble of stopping the vertical passing game and sure their three high safety looks in week nine. And most importantly, their cover four corners look in week one were capable of stopping them, but that's the two looks, you know, the defense, as much as we like to talk about it, there's only a few defenses you can really play because there's only so much space you can cover with 11 guys in the field. Mm. And that's it. Those are the two big ones of stopping the straight vertical routes down. And so is Peyton going to just run up the same defense again? If so, you've got to give the advantage to the offense that was incapable of stopping it. And then you've got Bruce Arians as the victory there. And I think the coaching advantage, as I've mentioned with pretty much every game, is going to be pretty decisive. Not to take a shot at at Sean Peyton. Obviously, he likes taking shots at people and then paying for it. But... He is not the most adaptive coach in the world. He usually starts a season with a game plan and then he keeps it going. It's a big reason why the Saints have not had very much success, especially in this round. They're actually at least to win the game. Tampa Bay on covering is an absolute lock for me at this point. Uh, But I am going to go with Tom because at the end of the day, whatever quarterback has the ball in his hands is probably going to win the game. Uh, And I imagine that it's going to be Tom getting set up for the moment that he's all been waiting for to knock Drew Brees out potentially for his career. You said, Rotom. Well, what's your score? Be this one. And there's actually numbers on that betting wise. Uh, there's a prop asking, will any of the games go to overtime uh, from this weekend slate? And it's plus 250 yes, minus 400 no. And I think the plus 250 yes there is worth a flyer because between this game and the Ravens and Bills games and maybe even Rams Packers, I could I could see not one but maybe two overtime finishes. But for me, I see the Saints winning this one. 26 to 24, which would result in the over hitting of 49 49 points. I'm actually going to totally agree with you here, Frank. I think this is the game that would go into overtime. And what a ratings bonanza it would be for the NFL to send Tom Brady and Drew Brees into the playoffs. Put it Um, on Nickelodeon. Do it. Put it on Nickelodeon. Shift it away from Fox in the middle of the game. Put it on Nickelodeon so the children can see the greatest quarterbacks of all time go at it. But... I am going to agree with you with 24 here, Frank, but 24 for me is going to go to the Saints. I'm going to contingently go 31-24 in the way of the Buccaneers. Uh, if they do go to overtime, obviously that would drop to 30-24. to 24. But I feel really good about this pick, and I would actually take that plus yes. I would take that yes for the overtime game, specifically for this one. It's going to be such a good competition. I absolutely can't wait for this game. Uh, I love the Saturday slate, but I, I think there's no game I'm more looking forward to than this one. 
Yeah, 100%. This is, without a doubt, uh, one of the best games of the weekend. And it feels like we keep saying that about all the games, and there's only four of them. But if you had to rank all four of these games, you know, now we're getting into the nitty and gritty. You know, rankings are, are where it's at. If you had to rank all four of these games, what would the order look like for you in terms of which ones you're most interested in? Well, as I just said, I'm definitely putting Saints-Bucks at the top of the list. I'm hoping it's not the last time we see Drew Brees, but it just might be. You got, that's much-watched television. Uh, next up, I'm taking Ravens-Bills, uh, not only a matchup of two of our hearts. After that comes Packers-Rams. Uh, pretty much in any other, we take a back seat, the four of the best quarterbacks in the league. And at number four comes in Chiefs and Browns. Yeah, I think I have pretty much the same exact mindset as you. The only difference would be up at the top. I think I would switch Buccaneers-Saints with Ravens and Bills, but I'd still have Rams-Packers as a very close third. And then I think based on everything we've said, it goes without saying that Browns-Chiefs is probably the least enticing game of the week. And it's the most likely to be one-sided or the most likely to be a blowout, which you can't you can't really say about any of the other games. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, and with that being wrapped up, Frank, we're excited to watch all four of those games. But those games would imply that there is a next game afterwards, and that is next week's conference championships. And we'll have to talk about who wins each conference uh, with only four teams left in either side. Let's talk about the AFC, Frank. With the Chiefs, obviously the favorite at minus 118. Uh, they've got the Bills not far behind them at plus 350, but the Bills' opponents are plus 650. The Ravens are probably the third in line to maybe take the AFC crown in the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Uh, the Browns all the way down at 1,800. Neither of us are giving them a chance to win this game. Uh, but with those top three, Frank, do you think there's any solid value seeing anyone but the Chiefs win this conference? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's painful to say maybe, but I think you have to just cancel the Browns out of the equation. I know plus 1,800 is a huge number. And even if somehow they managed to pull off an upset this weekend, uh, I don't think they would be able to do it again next week against either the Bills or the Ravens. And... That's the that's the ultimate question is whoever comes out of Buffalo and Baltimore, uh, how good of a chance do they have to beat Kansas City? And I think it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. But we've yet to see that come to fruition. I mean, earlier this season, the Chiefs beat the Bills and Ravens within a three week span. We know the Chiefs have had the Ravens number beating them the past three times, including this, including this year. And given that they're only minus 118. That's not great value, but I still feel like Kansas City has to be considered that uh, until proven otherwise. And I know Buffalo has been fantastic, and they've pretty much exceeded Kansas City in most offensive categories this year. Poll. I think at plus 350, there's genuine value to say that the Bills will be heading to Tampa Bay to play whoever comes out of the NFC. Uh, and it's better value, I think, better than the Chiefs, who don't give you much at all at minus value. And while the Ravens have a plus 650, they have to go through the Bills and the Chiefs themselves, so I'll have to see. I'm a big fan of the Bills, though, at plus 350. Yeah, I think when you measure it up value-wise, uh, pound for pound, Bills plus 350 is probably the best bang for your buck. Uh, but again, you know, it's going to come down Bills-Ravens. Who comes out of the matchup? Uh, they're going to have to play Kansas City, presumptively. Us giving the Browns no chance. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. But, you know, the NFC may be even more interesting, wouldn't you say? Far more interesting, seeing that we both disagreed on both of the results of those games. Uh, but the Packers, still the number one seed, have a favorite at plus 160. The Saints right behind them at plus 275. The Buccaneers right behind them 
a plus 400 in the long shot in the conference, a team that I say is going to go to the conference championship, a plus 1,200. Uh, that's obviously my value pick, Frank, but you have the Packers and the Saints advancing a one plus 160 and plus 275 between those two. And I guess I open the floor up to the other four, to the, to the entirety of the room. Which one of those do you think is the best value? Yeah, well, I did ultimately go chalk with my pick, seeing as though I have both the one and two seeds advancing. But it goes without saying that compared to years past, I think the one seed and two seed in this particular equation are more vulnerable than we've seen in past playoffs. Packers are obviously great, but we outlined how it's not a great matchup for them going against the Rams. And at plus 160, not tremendous value there in backing the number one overall seed in the conference, even though, of course, they did earn that one seed and earn home field advantage. And then with the Saints, I'm picking them to beat the Buccaneers, but like I said, I do so hesitantly. And I said last week at plus 275, I thought the Saints were maybe the best value pick out of all the NFC playoff teams. But now you have to look at the Buccaneers plus 400, which I know that's a number that you were on last week. Uh, Maybe that's even a better pick. Because if you view this Buccaneers-Saints game as a PK, as a toss-up, which it sounds like we both do, then the Buccaneers at plus 400 is better value than the Saints, I think. Is that how you see it as well, Rodham? Absolutely see it that way. And we talked about teams of destiny in the AFC between the Bills and the Ravens, but is there any more team of destiny than the team that's trying to play at home for the Super Bowl? A team that is LeBron-esque in trying to get their aging superstar ring surrounded by multitudes of talent? Is this just the Lakers 2.0 in Florida? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. But absolutely, I think the Buccaneers, with their chance of uh, not only beating Breeze and taking out one of the biggest opponents this week, have a pretty competent road and ability to beat any one of the remaining teams. Obviously, I'll take the Rams over the Packers this weekend, but I would also take the Rams over the Saints. But with their multitude of offense and the ability to avoid half of the field, thanks to having four capable 1,000-yard receivers in Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, uh, not to mention the multitude of talent they have at tight end, I think they have the best chance of beating all four of all three of their remaining teams in the NFC. Uh, something that I can't say about the Rams specifically, if they were to match up with the Buccaneers. Something I can't say about the Saints, about any team they'd be due to face. And the Packers, if they do manage to win their game, I think would have a good advantage. But a plus 160, that's not great value. So I 100% agree with you and will stick with the fact that I think the Buccaneers are Super Bowl bound at home in Raymond James. Yeah, and you mentioned the Rams briefly there. And at plus 1,200, I do think, even though I'm not picking them to beat the Packers, there's reason to think that that's not terrible value for Los Angeles because I think we're in the same boat that if the Rams did manage to get past Green Bay, I would give them a half-decent shot to beating the Saints or beating the Buccaneers. If this defense is that legitimate and it manages to carry them over the Seahawks and the Packers, I think the Packers would be their toughest test that they'd have to play left. The Saints or Buccaneers are an inferior opponent to that of Green Bay, I think. So if they can slay that dragon, you have to think that the Rams at plus 1,200, uh, that, that's a pretty good number to take them somehow to get all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that would be crazy you know, for a wild card team now that there's three of them to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. But we do have a prop bet. Uh, if you see the Rams, Buccaneers, Ravens, or Browns making it to the Super Bowl, a willing wild card team make it to the Super Bowl, any one of those four. Plus 110, yes. Minus 150, no. And along with that, Frank, will a wildcard team win the Super Bowl? Plus 250, yes. Minus 400, no. You've got four teams to pick out of. Do you take either of those? Yeah, well, out of our predictions this week, 
the only wild card team that I see advancing is the Ravens. But again, you know, I think the Bucks could advance. I don't think it's crazy to think that the Rams could advance. And for that reason, if they make it to the conference championship, any of those wild card teams is only one game away from making it to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, they're only one game away from winning the Super Bowl. Shout out to Math. And I think either of those props at plus 110 and at plus 250 are worth a flyer. I mean, this has been an unpredictable NFL season. And because of that, it's not out of the picture to think that it could get even more unpredictable this weekend and into the next two weekends. Absolutely. And that plus 110, yes, is an absolute lock for me, seeing that I have both of the wildcard teams going up next against each other in the conference championship for the NFC next week. Uh, but yeah, uh, any given Sunday, we saw it with the Browns. Even if a team wins so many games like the Steelers, one bad snap could start the end of anything. We know it's a game of inches. Any given Sunday, anyone could win. That's very true. And I would also add, you know, any given Saturday as well, not just Sunday. Any, any given day that ends with Y. But not a day that ends in W, Frank. And that'll be tomorrow when you all listen to this beautiful podcast and enjoy yourself on the first day before we get these glorious games of football. But before we get you to leave, our basketball pod, our basketball episode is coming soon to talk to you about probably one of the biggest trades in the NBA. Very excited to talk about that you soon. So make sure to look out for that on our Twitter and our Instagram at PlayItPod. You can check me out at Rodem Kaufman on both of those. And Frank, where could the listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at FrankJP0. And before we sign off, Rodem, I'll leave you with a quote here from none other than the late, great Dr. Seuss, who said, Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. (laughs) 